Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I am in Las Vegas today, another day of isolation period. It's uh, it's a taxing. It's a lot to see some of the people who are out and about. Uh, there's a, I have mixed emotions. There's a lot of people I see who are doing everything they can to be very precautious, take all the steps necessary. And at the same time, I'm seeing a, a, a very active minority of people who are doing the opposite. Uh, some of them, I think they're just doing it unintentionally, even at this point. And some of them, I think, are just actively seeking to burn down the system. And that uh, I have mixed emotions about that. I want people to be able to do things as normal. But at the same time, we all have a responsibility to take steps to protect one another. And uh, so I, it's tough in Las Vegas. I don't feel like the people who are doing it right are ever going to be the ones who make the news. I think those are the, the people who are doing it wrong are always the ones that make it into the news. And I think that that makes it tough for all of us. It makes it uh, disheartening that we're not going to be able to get back to our, our industry and our way of life anytime soon. So with uh, that little uh, bit of realism there, or I hope it's not pessimism. I, I like to lean towards optimism. I like to think that we can all get through this sooner than later. I, uh, I want to introduce my, my guest today. His name is Jeff Kreuter. He is the lighting designer at Jeff Kreuter Lighting Design out of New York. And uh, he is somebody that I am reaching out to just to see. I'm looking for a ray of optimism. So thanks so much for uh, joining me today, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I hope I can deliver. It's, it's, um, it's daunting, but I'm going to do my very best to be optimistic. I can do it. <laughs> I, I, I still think that you know, we're all going to, in a few years from now, we're all going to be looking back on this saying, you know, remember that time when all that crazy stuff happened and, you know, we'll be back where we were. I mean, that's, that's you know, there, there's my optimism. Um, but I have to believe that and I really do believe it. Just thinking about previous pandemics and previous outbreaks and stuff i feel like a lot of people have all but forgotten about them completely because it wasn't exactly our generation it was definitely generations past and we can look back and we're like yeah that wasn't so bad but right now in the thick of it it doesn't feel like that does it it feels terrible in the thick of it but there was a plague in europe for a long time and i think you know we look back on that and we all know how bad it was. People were dying in the streets and some of the most creative theater is still, you know, came out at, right after that period. Um, so we'll see something, you know, that we'll have another, we'll have our own Renaissance after this. I'm not sure if people are sitting at home writing the next great thing right now while they're isolated, but um, 
this will spark something. It, it, uh, you know, it has to. There's a lot of creative people sitting around right now, and if they're not actually actually working, it's you know, it's growing. It's it's um, it's in that phase, gestation. Ooh, that was that was exactly what I was looking for right there. That is the uh, that is the spark because I feel like the more affluent I become or the more comfortable I become the less creative I become. I feel like when shit really hits the fan is when I can go and be like, no, this is a great idea. I, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between hard times and good art. I don't know. Uh, My, I mean, for me, it's, um, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with how successful or not, or not, or, you know, cause you know, the career is a lot, I've been doing this for, a lot of years now and you know someone asked me um someone asked me recently if uh, a show that i did a few years ago was the was like the peak of my career and my answer was like god i hope not i mean like you know it's a series my career has been a series of peaks and valleys you know like it go, it's up and down all the time um but you know i am most creative uh when my back's against the wall Re really you know when i'm at that when i have to make that decision i find that um i make a good one and when i sit down and think about it too much uh, it's maybe not always the best choice, but what's great about lighting, the ephemeral nature of lighting is that you can change it like always, you can always change it unless, you know, it's shot for a television special and then it's like on there forever. But until that point, until the camera rolls, I don't do a lot of TV, but you know, in my, in my live entertainment business, um, you know, if, if I did something that I hate, I can come in the next day and I can change it. That is one of the wonderful things about our art form is that it's, it's always changeable. It's always updatable. We can always change a cue. We can always yeah. come back even a month later and you're like, you know what? I changed my mind. I want to, I want to fix that. I've done it. I went, came back on news. is running uh, two years and I came back and I did something because, you know, I don't know, whatever, because of something, a whim. Yeah. I, uh, I used to get criticized all the time for still making notes on the 39th show of a 40 show run. And like, you guys, what are you doing? Making notes on the 39th? Well, the 40th show can still be better, you know? That's yeah, if, right, exactly. It, Cause you know, you're, because it's yours. Anyone in the entertainment business, I don't care what you do. It's you're all, you're all part of the art. You're all part of the team. There's an, everyone brings their, their own artistry to what they do in this business. I think. Do you think there's any truth to the, starving artist principle that uh, in order to create great art, you have to be, you have to donate all of yourself to your art and kind of forfeit that extreme profit that can be made sometimes. No, I don't, I don't word. No, I don't, I don't. Think, <laughs> um, uh, no. Um, I think, um, I think there are some very successful people um, who are, are phenomenal artists. There are some of those, I mean, I don't know. Some of the lighting designers working today, I would not for a moment think of them as starving artists, but I would still think of them as being at the top of their game. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah, I definitely don't think that success negates real art. There's a lot of people that say, well, the more popular something is, the more catchy it is, therefore it can't be real art. But I don't, I don't really subscribe to that. I've never, I feel like once something is artistic, it, gains popularity not the other way around you know i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go down the easiest road that there is to go down here and i'm gonna say and this is like you know tr truly uh 
this, there's no, this is an easy one, an easy answer, but I'm going to say Hamilton is very popular and it is very good. And I don't think it's, um, the quality of the show has decreased when the popularity increased. I still think it's a beautiful production. It's incredibly artistically done. Every piece of that show comes together to make a great evening of theater. And I think it's, it's, um, it's successful and artistic and commercially successful. And, you know, that's what everyone strives for in a way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the starving artists, I don't think they always want to be starving artists. No. I don't know. I the mean, goal is definitely to be less starving for sure. But the thing is, I didn't start, I didn't do this. I didn't get into lighting because, you know, I thought, I, well, I didn't get into, I don't, I didn't get into anything to starve. You know, I knew that there was a way to make a living doing this. You know, there is, I mean, there's a way to make a living as a lighting designer. And there are people in the lighting profession who make a really good living. And there are people who make a fine living and there are people who are starting out and sure, starting out is very difficult. And I'm not gonna say that people starve when they're starting out, but you have to, you do have to work your way up. Um, and it does take time. I know nobody likes hearing that, um, that it takes a number of years. I mean, you don't just like wake up one day and have the success that some of the, some of the big time designers have. Mm -hmm. So uh, and let's go the opposite from the peak of your career to the beginning of your career. Uh, how, did you, how did you fall into this or did you seek out this industry? The peaks, the peaks, the many peaks of my career. Um, <laughs> Let's uh, start with the uh, the beginning of the journey. The beginning of the journey. Um, I in so in high school, I did I I did a lot of theater. Um, I was in a show or two in high school. Didn't enjoy it. Like I did not enjoy being on the stage. I found it like the ner the nerves were just too much for me. I couldn't um, even back then, like in junior high school and high school. Um, I couldn't get past like the nervous energy that I had that I, you know, that I thought actually wasn't making me a very good performer. I knew, I knew, and I know that, you know, all performers struggle with those nerves and maybe who knows if I like got past that, I could have been a Broadway performer, but I also don't really sing well. So there's that. Um, um, so, you know, but I did like, you know, actually like there was a high school like dance company that I was in, you know, just, I, I sort of enjoyed all that. But I also played in a, in a rock band and I, you know, I was a well-rounded high school kid. I played some sports. I was in a rock band for like five seconds. I wanted to be a musician that uh, didn't really, you know, last. Um, and I, so I did an internship uh, at the Berkshire Theater Festival in Stockbridge, Massachusetts and um, got on with the, with the lighting department more than any other department there. And that's when I sort of figured out what, um, what lighting really was, like what lighting design actually was. It, you weren't just the person who turned the lights on for the actors to do things on stage. There was actual uh, art to it and storytelling and um, composition and, you know, uh, and, you know, mood and the whole, all, all of it. I mean, I, I, I figured that out or I learned that by watching some pretty amazing people do it and um, kind of inquired about how they got into the business and what they did. And they told me where they went to school. And, and I was like, you know, this, this seems like something that I'm, I'm very interested in. I think I could be good at this. And man, do I like the people in this business. And, and that, that was a huge part of it. Like I really just enjoyed the whole atmosphere of it um, and thought, you know what, I can do this for a while. And, you know, maybe like in my twenties, I'll be a lighting designer and maybe I'll do something else like in, in the future. So, I went to, uh, you know, 
cut to a few years, you know, at, at purchase, went to SUNY Purchase, as it was called back then. I think they changed the name since then to Purchase College or College yeah. at yep. something. Um, and uh, I went there to study, specifically to study with uh, Billy Mincer and Brian McDevitt, because I heard, I was told, and I heard and was told that they were um, amazing people, amazing teachers, and um, incredible designers. And, mm-hmm. uh, great mentors. And great mentors. And yeah, I went to purchase and spent a year learning how to read a play and how to talk to a director and not really talking about how lights hung or where they hung and how to focus lights. It was really just like, you know, what, what is, what, what is a lighting designer and what does the lighting designer with a capital D do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me was the most important part of, of my education, um, not where to hang the backlight or what color to make the side light. Um, that I think you have to figure that out yourself. Um, but how to not just how to read a play and analyze it, but how how to how to talk to you know a collaborator about it, how to collaborate with a set designer and a director and a costume designer and a choreographer, um, and yeah, so that's you know that that's the basis of it all. Um, it sounds like you were drawn to entertainment in general, and then uh, lighting was just the spark that ignited. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. But it did ignite. I mean, that, that spark ignited quickly. Um, but that's, but the draw was entertainment. I mean, you know, my high school drama club, I was like the press, strangely, the head of the president of the high school drama club. And I wasn't a performer. I was, you know, <laughs> whatever, stage managing, like, you know, lighting, stage managing, producing. That's what I thought, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to be involved. I wanted to work on shows. And even then, you know, I knew somehow like as a high school kid knew that what we were doing was for a group of people who were watching it. You know, that's what we do. Like that's, you know, what I do is not, it's not for me. I mean, I enjoy it, but you know, hopefully there's an audience in the seats and hopefully they're being moved or being educated. I mean, you know, that's what I like doing. Yeah. I feel sometimes we get too bogged down in the technology of what we're doing and we forget that that is the end goal is just make people who are sitting in the room in the dark, feel something. That's what it's about. I do. I think that's what it's about. Feel something or yeah. Yeah. I mean, laugh, cry, learn, enjoy a pretty picture sometimes, you know, embrace the beauty. That's one of the questions I like to ask people who, who bring that up is, uh, do you prefer making pretty pictures, making things appealing to the eye, or do you like to like just break the rules sometimes and really make people question your decisions and, and uh, kind of make people really feel awkward or uncomfortable? Um, I guess if there's a, if, if there's an A or B answer, like, you know, if I'm answering A or B, I would take A, like I would, think I would choose to make pretty pictures, but even in the process of making those pretty pictures, there are at moments where you can make the audience uncomfortable. I don't, I don't start out by making the audience uncomfortable and then throw in a pretty picture every once in a while. For, to me, my, I like making pretty pictures. Now it's subjective. I don't know. Like someone might look at my lighting and be like, that is really uncomfortable. It's not pretty. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I hope I make pretty pictures and then every once in a while you can point the lights in the audience's faces and, you know, make them, make them hurt. But for effect, I don't just do that for no reason. You know, I mean, there has to be a reason to do that. I, I once worked, a reason. 
I worked on a show and, the, and there was, we had a trouble with a transition and the set designer was like, well, why don't we just blind the audience to like, so they don't see the transition. And that's the kind of thing I actually don't like because there's no reason. Like we're solving one ugly thing by doing another ugly thing. Um, you know, let's find the better solution. If they were to say, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, we want to heighten this moment and, um, and make the audience uncomfortable. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> But that's okay. You know, I've done that. Like, I've I've pointed lights in the audience's eyes plenty of times. But I always like to have a reason for it. I don't just—it's not nothing. I mean, nothing I do is arbitrary. Uh, yeah, I guess that's like there's there's a reason for all of it. Why don't we just put up a sign that says, "Hey, there's going to be an ugly transition here. Can you guys all just close your eyes? Close your eyes. Yeah, exactly. Ten seconds, please. Yeah, that's uh, was, I, you know, all too what, functional. I, I took over. I I started doing the lighting for a for a show. They were trying to hide something from the audience and having a hard time lighting what they wanted to light while also hiding what they wanted to hide. So they, they blinded the audience. They had like a little bit of light on the first four rows of the the people that could see it. They pointed some dim lights in their eyes so that they couldn't actually see what was going on. And, you know, when I took over the show, I said, we're going to solve this. We're going to solve this problem without making people like without hurting people's retinas, <laughs> you know, and we did it, every, there's a solution for everything. That is also my motto. There's a solution for everything. The word no should never be in, in the live entertainment sphere. Agreed. Um, I, you know, sometimes I don't follow my own rules, but that's something that I <laughs> is important. Also try, try and no are my two least favorite words. Um, like just do it, like do it, fail. But like, you know, there's, you know, what Yoda, isn't he the one who said that? Yeah, there is no try. I believe it. I want to do that. or do not. There is yeah. no try. Yeah. Um, I think that's words to live by. Very wise little Muppet. Very wise little Muppet. <laughs> Thank you, George Lucas and Frank Oz. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it sounds like you were into entertainment from the very beginning. Is that, did that come from your family or was it, was that all self-inspired? It came from my family. I feel like this story has been told. So, so this is out there. This, this, the, my, this, the history, the history of my family has been out there a little bit, um, but maybe not for people who are listening to this. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just do the brief, the brief history. Um, my mother was an actress and also ran a small theater company, a local theater company. My father helped out doing all sorts of things for the theater company, including uh, building scenery and helping out with lights. And he was in some shows and. One of my brothers is a, a professional drummer and owns recording studios. And uh, my other brother uh, is a piano player, not a professional piano player, but very good nonetheless. Um, so yeah, there, so the, um, you know, there is, uh, I was going to say talent in the family, but again, subjective, there's art in the family. Wow. That must've been uh, a little bit easier on you. A lot of people in the industry have to explain to their parents that they're not running away to join the circus or getting on a bus with a bunch of roadies to yeah. go give away backstage passes. You know, there was definitely the, are you sure you want to do this? Um, okay. There, there, there was, I mean, and, and even for my grandparents who, who, who um, they were like, you know, we hear that you can't, people don't make money in the arts. You know, are you sure this is the path you want? Like, is, can you, do, do you, don't you want to be an engineer or a lawyer or a, I don't know, maybe a 
doctor. No, then I don't think anyone ever thought I would be a doctor. <laughs> but I come from a long history, like a lot of people in my family is, are, are lawyers and, and many of them started in law school late in their career, in their lives. So I think maybe people thought I might do that. And I thought, I think maybe I thought I might do that. I thought I might get, you know, to 29 and go back to and go to law school or something. But, but I didn't, but I really loved what I was doing. I mean, that's why I stayed and that's why I stay. Um, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really tough to have any regrets, even in the middle of uh, the pandemic. It's like, no, I, I think both of us have had many great years of having a job that we love to do. And even right now, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to resist at all costs to, to abandon our industry. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm not abandoning our industry. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm diving head first into, I mean, do you, actually, do you even know, I, I've, I've been hosting a, do you know this? I'm, I host a, a Sunday night live miniature talk show with lighting with, you know, live entertainment professionals. I was going to say lighting, but it's not just lighting people. It's well, that's great. Really Tell great. me all about it. Um, it's called, uh, you know, um, four wall, uh, entertainment, uh, is producing it with me. It's called four wall Sunday round table. Okay. Um, we're about to do our 14th episode. We, it started uh, a couple of weeks, I guess a few weeks into the, uh, the pandemic isolation. And um, we started by just talking to designers first about what they were doing, like what they were doing when they were told to go home, what they're doing now that they're at home. And it really was like uh, a very lifestyles oriented conversation. What are you cooking? What are your hobbies? When do you think we're coming back? And it has kind of morphed and modulated into a, a real current events uh, of the industry kind of show. Like, what are you doing at home? But also like, what the hell, what's going on? Like, where are we? What are we doing? What are we doing next? And what do you do? Like, you know, because we don't just have lighting designers on. I think um, uh, three weeks ago, we had production managers. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had educators, uh, you know, design educators. Last night, we had electricians. And it's a great conversation. It's, and, and, you know, especially with the electricians. And I would say the production managers also. People don't invite them onto shows all that often to talk about mm. what they actually do, you know, what they do. And, That's and, great. And, you know, and what they're doing next. Um, it's been great. Um, and it, I don't know, it gives me a little inspiration because, you know, by and large, like they're not, none of these people are leaving. The, they're not giving up on this business. They're waiting it out. And they all know, we, I mean, everyone really believes it's coming back stronger than ever to, to tie back in to where we were before. I can only imagine when you started the round table, you thought, well, maybe we'll do five or six of these and then we'll all be back to normal. And now you're at 14. Yeah. That's funny. Um, we did, we thought we would be, we saw, we thought we'd take it through the summer. Um, right. Uh, and then we thought maybe things would come back in the fall and then we would stop doing them weekly. And we do like every once in a while, we'll do another one, but we're gearing back up. We're going to take a week off. We're, so this coming episode, um, and we're still putting this together. It's a little bit ambitious for our s small team, but we're, it's, you know, Hal, Bink Hal Binkley passed away uh, about a week ago. And it's a, it's a tribute, a Hal Binkley tribute episode. We, we were, his associate, Ryan O'Gara, was, was going to be a guest on our show this Sunday. And that had been scheduled already and Hal passed away. And, um, you know, we were, the producers of the show were talking about 
like building the episode around Ryan. We wanted to have him on the show and we sort of put other people on the show to, you know, compliment him and not compliment him, but compliment him. Um, and to, you know, so it all fit together. And, uh, and, and he, he, you know, he was the first, he was the first guest and we were building the rest of the guests around him. When Hal died, we realized that we couldn't just have Ryan on. I mean, it would be very strange to have him on the show and not talk about Hal. And we didn't want to give that short shrift. So the idea was pitched, like, what if we just invited Hal's team on and, you know, his associates and his programmers and talk to them about their relationship with him and also just what they do. Again, like people, you know, a lot of people, there were quotes from a lot of very fancy people about Hal Binkley, but nobody asked his team what they think. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to talk to them. That's very respectful. I definitely want to listen in on that one. Tune in Sunday live, Sunday, 7 p.m. Four Walls Facebook. Cool. And I think they're, they're Facebook channel and YouTube channel. So that's, that's what's been filling my time. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing lighting right now. Although I say I'm not doing lighting, but I did some Zoom lighting. And it was very <laughs> nice to do that, but also a little soul crushing because all, all everything I said before about liking to make, you know, wanting to make pretty pictures and telling stories, um, it was all about, can you turn a little bit away from your window and maybe slide away from the wall a little bit and that shadow is not great. And can, is there a warmer light? to make you look, you know, nicer. That's, that's what I, so I did three of those for a theater company in New York. Oh, that must've felt so designery. It did feel designery and it was nice to have a connection with people about, you know, even though I wasn't so much designing, I was more moving people around. I was blocking them so the light would look good on them and as opposed to turning lights on and off to make them look good. That's designery. That's a bulk of what we do, you know, stand here, do that. Please yeah. don't stand over right. here. Right. Look that way. Yeah. Do, do you have another background? <laughs> there was some of those. Like, is that, is that on the day? Is that going to be what you're standing in front of? I don't know. Yeah. So one of the things that led me to do the podcast, and I'm hoping that you can uh, commiserate with me on uh, this, it was shortly after everything fell apart that I realized that all of my friends are my coworkers. I realized that once... Yeah. I wasn't at work anymore. I have a lack of close acquaintances and friends. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's, that's true for me also. I'm getting to know my neighbors more than I thought I ever would. Um, yeah. Really. Uh, and in, in a good way. No, I'm not, I, that, that maybe didn't sound like a positive, but I'm getting to know my neighbors and I enjoy that. They're, they're all good people. It it happens so gradually and incrementally that you don't even realize it. But next thing you know, you're you go from being uh, the first day on the bus or the first day in tech, and after a week or a month or three months, you're like, oh my god, you're you're my best friend, and I didn't even yeah. recognize it. Yeah, I mean, w work is very social. Yeah. So the work, um, you know, fulfills a big part of the, the social uh, schedule. Either, either going to work or planning the work that's coming soon or, you know, com commiserating about the thing that just happened. It's all, it, is, it really is all work oriented. Um, but I'm reaching out. I mean, I don't, um, the people that I work with, I try to call, a, you know, two, three people, two, two to four people every week just to say like, hi. And, you know, they're always very surprised. Like, what do you want? Like, I'm just calling. <laughs> 
really? I'm like, yeah. And then we chat for an hour about whatever. I'm that is tough. More people had COVID than I than I knew. I mean, you know, like you know, people I talked to, you know, saying like how sick they were. Um, of course, like people, you know, not everyone posts their life story on Facebook. So you just right. So it's um, I guess it's nice to to speak to them to hear what they went through and let them talk to someone else about it. No, the numbers are very high. There's uh, it's highly likely that if you reach out to somebody who's not on Facebook, there's there's a there's a chance that they are affected one way yeah. or another, either directly or indirectly. And they, I'm sure they're, they want to talk to somebody that's just not on a social platform. Yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't want to announce it if I, if I was hurting, you know, that's something that we yeah. just don't do as, as a species. We, we don't really advertise when we're hurting. No. Well, Facebook would say that some do, <laughs> I <don't. laughs> um, but um, I think some people, some people do advertise. No, you're right. I think most people don't. I mean, if I, you know, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want, I, I, I was about to say something and I can't say that because I'm not in that, I'm not sick and I didn't get sick. So I don't know what I would do and I don't want to find out. I don't want to find I out. Not get sick. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I can only. Hey, you know, that, that just go, go back to the, how you opened the show about people who are wearing masks and people who aren't wearing masks and the people who want to blow up the system. You know, it's, it's a matter of respect for your fellow man and woman and whatever else, you know, like for your fellow people. Um, yes. It's respect, you know, don't, don't, I don't care if you feel like you want to wear a mask, like if you don't want to be forced to do anything, like wear the mask because you out of respect for the person standing near you. Mm -hmm. um, that's why people should do it. It's to, to you know, love your fellow man, all, you, all, all the people out there. I saw a post on uh, Facebook that it was backed by his, these were his actual, this was his actual opinion, but I will wear the mask if somebody asks me, but I won't wear the mask if the government mandates it. I'm like, you yeah. are not helping at all. That's. No, it's not helpful. Um, the government would only mandate it because people aren't doing it. And there's not like, man, I mean, like, you know, it's just the right thing to do. It just makes everyone feel more comfortable. Like in New York, you just like, you can't walk indoors without wearing a mask. Otherwise people just, you know, people run screaming for you. I mean, like I can't, I wouldn't, I, can't, I don't imagine what that would be like in, in indoors in New York City right now, if you weren't wearing a mask, it just would be very strange. Yeah. And, and you know, all things aside, even if it's just the perception or the optics of it, just do it. It's going to, what it's going to be, what's going to get us back to work sooner. I, I know that there is science behind it. And I know that the experts that I can find all seem to agree that something is better than nothing. And I'm all for yeah. it. Um, that's the other, that's key. I think, you know, where those of us who work in live entertainment really can't go back to work until there's no virus and there won't, there will there won't be no virus until people take it seriously and wear masks mm -hmm. there's probably a way more elegant way to say that but you know I, we'll fix you it know well. no i don't think so <laughs> no i think that's exactly the the jeff Kreuter chris Lowe's way of saying it you know, like, you know these are this is this is the shit we're in and we're just begging pleading with uh, the rest of the people like hey if you want to get back to concerts we can't get back to concerts and shows without your support. Yeah, that's right. Think, how much do you want to see a concert? Exactly. 
Like how much for for as much as you want to see that concert, there are people who want to get paid to perform to put on that concert. You know, you're not you're not the only ones there. There are a lot of people affected by this, and you know, people who won't wear masks. A lot of them have jobs, so you know, it, it makes me even more frustrated. Yeah, if somebody came to me and said that I could go see Aerosmith with a mask and I sign a waiver and there's hand sanitizer everywhere and they need to contact trace me for the next six months, I'd sign the waiver. I want to go to an Aerosmith concert more than anything, you know, just yeah, sign me up. I'll wear a mask. I'll wash my hands. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll forego some, uh, you know, I'll even avoid the bathroom if you make me. I'll, yeah. yeah I, right. I want to go to an Aerosmith concert. Yep. Yep. I hear you. Um, yeah. I hope, I don't know. You know, here we are. Here we are. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know what's. I don't know what. I don't know what happens until there's a vaccine. I don't know if. I don't know if people are. I don't know if everyone is like you who is comfortable about going indoors. Outdoors is is different. Um, but an indoor arena concert. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough people who are, who would want to do it. I guess. I guess I'm curious about that. Uh, unfortunately, for New York, there's not a lot of outdoor venues there's not a lot of room for outdoor no. venues no they're building one on the hudson river right now it'll be ready next summer unfortunately uh, uh, so close so you know, there's, close. there's jones beach you know but i don't i don't think they're doing shows outdoors at jones beach i, th I think it's still too dangerous um on long island uh, and you know the stadiums yankee stadium giants you know giant i was not giant stadium anymore whatever it's called now MetLife. MetLife. Yeah, MetLife. Yeah. I mean, but know. even still, yeah, it's just you can't do a show there unless it's packed. You, I mean, it's yeah. That's, that's what's right. true about most of New York is that if if the room's not packed, it's it doesn't make financial sense to do a show. That's certainly true for Broadway theater. They're, Broadway will not reopen um, until they can sell every ticket. They're not going to do a fifty percent uh, occupancy. That's that's been made pretty clear. Okay. So all you know, or nothing. It's I think it's all or nothing. They they don't they don't make money at fifty percent. They lose money at fifty percent. Shows close when they're fifty percent. So wow, it doesn't really work. Um, yeah, I know. I've seen a lot of pictures of people trying. I know uh, London. They're trying to do it with every third seat, and I think I've seen one or two to to mild reviews. People are like, yeah, that's not why we go to shows. We don't go to shows to be isolated. That's yeah the opposite That's of right. the of the intention there yep part of the experience is uh, is being in a room with other people that is that is part of the uh the, the live experience it's you know you want to experience with somebody's shoulder shoulder to shoulder uh, i'm all for doing shows with new restrictions and restraints and and new circumstances but when you're gutting the core of if you're, when you're getting the essence of why we go to shows that it's, you're not, yeah. you're not helping in any way. It's not a pro it's not a problem that can be solved. I agree. I, um, I, yeah, I agree. There, you know, a vaccine there, there's the, there's the solution to this problem. There needs to be a vaccine and then people need to take the vaccine. That's problem. Number two is that people need to trust it and take it and, yeah. you know, there was some story out there that people said that they won't take the vaccine because they're afraid the government's putting chips in it 
and they're going to track people, you know, by giving them the vaccine, which I find just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't, do they not realize that they have, if they own a cell phone, they're being tracked, you know, I mean, like everyone's being tracked. Everyone, everyone's tracked. There's no, you're not, not tracked. I know. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's what, that's what, what life is, you know, I guess, sure. If you want to go off the grid, you can turn your cell phone off. And for those people who really feel like they, they're going to commit some heinous crime that they have to get off the grid, fine, don't get the vaccine. But for the rest of you people who turn your phone on and carry it with you, yeah, you're already being tracked. Sorry. <laughs> I remember when the phones came, when the smartphones came out, we all thought that, well, now we have all the information in the world at our fingertips. We're going to be such a better society and we're going to be so much more informed and it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, I have. I, I I don't care. I don't. I don't care. They they can track me. I mean, I I don't know. I, I, now, I say this now. I haven't committed any crimes lately, so maybe when I do, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll feel otherwise. But you know, like the, the you know, this is not what this this. I'm sure this is not what the show's about. So maybe you'll. <laughs> um, but but you know, like Google, like Ad, you know, AdSense, and like whether to like share my information with them, like. I, you know, like, what do I care? Like, what, what do I, what do I have that's like, that's worth keeping to myself? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to get a lot of emails after this being like, well, here's why you shouldn't share anything. <laughs> As of August 24th, 2020, Jeff Carter has not committed any crimes that are worthy of anybody's attention. So yeah, that's right. Just, so, just so, you know, I don't, I don't care that people that I know, I do care that people know personal things, about me, but I don't care that like the, you know, the, the algorithms know that I was just shopping for like auto cleaner, like <laughs> wash my car. Cause it, you know, it's, it's dirty. <laughs> I, I, I hope they're more targeted. I I'm, I'm, it, yeah, exactly. I'm not opposed to targeted advertising. I've been in the place where we've, I've Google searched Iceland and then, some deals for Iceland come up and that doesn't, no. you know, I, I would hope that that's what it's being used for. Not anything more nefarious than that. Right. Not you're going to Iceland. So I'm going to get there before you and steal your money. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, you know, no, I mean, the, I think the flaw, the actual flaw in the system is that um, you know, if you, if you book your trip to Iceland, uh, they still send you advertisements for Iceland. They don't actually know that you've pulled. I was going to say, yeah, that's true anymore they don't know that you've actually sealed the deal <laughs> um uh when i had my kids uh, as soon as you do like a registry or something for like for diapers or a, a kid registry yeah. those are the ones when they get you the most when you buy a house yep when you have kids when you get married man they know and they are ready that is i know i know yeah. Those are the ones I, I hope that were, that were the, the tracking is a positive. Yeah, it, it is. I find it to be uh, sometimes unnecessary, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a, a refinance, trying to refinance something right now. And the amount of ads that I get for this is, um, is pretty astounding, even though I already, you know, I already have, a, I already know what I'm doing. By the time they started sending me ads, I already knew what I was doing. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> this has been a very fun tangent. I really appreciate. I know, it. Yeah, I know. I, mean, this is, I actually feel like we have drinks in front of us, and we are actually drinking because this is exactly where the conversation yeah. would be going over some drinks. <laughs> if you had to choose between a gig that pays more 
or a gig that challenges you more creatively, which one are you going to take and what are your uh, criteria there? Oh, I don't want this to be the last question. <laughs> well, you know what? Because you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I, I think we kind of we covered this a little bit earlier in, in, a, in a different sort of way, in a roundabout sort of way. Yeah. But he, here's, my, here's how I'm going to answer this question. I will want to take the one that doesn't pay me, like the one that is more artistically fulfilling. That's like, like I'm sitting here right now and they're like, I, I, I do... I do feel that 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 is the decision. These are hard decisions and it's decisions I have to make all the time. Like, mm-hmm. do I take the job? And, and I've made these choices and I've, made, I've, I've taken the job for artistic reasons and I've taken the job for financial reasons. More often than not, uh, taking the job for the financial reason, it, it doesn't turn out the way I want it to. I might make money from it, but I don't have the, the kind of time that I really want to have. You know, it's not the experience that I, that I, that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And if I take a job for the for artistic reasons, I'm happy, happier. It's just it's just the way it is. I mean, that's why that's why I'm doing this. That's why I enjoy doing this. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta live. You know, I think you have to pay the bills, and that's really important. You have that's you have to balance it. You have to be able to do both in this business um, to live to survive. Um, there has to be both. And you know, if you're lucky, you get one that does both. You get that show that actually pays you like what you deserve to be paid and is also artistically fulfilling. Uh, I've been lucky. I've had, I've had that. I've had those that has happened in my life. Um, and that's like, that's my goal all the time to have that happen again, to be paid what I think I'm worth and also create art that I'm proud of. So, you know, that is the best of both worlds for sure. Yeah. Did I answer the question? Did you I did very it? well. That was, uh, I, 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 uh, you're the first person to go like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't choose one or the other. I choose both. And I, somebody who with some, uh, some real motivation, that's what they say. Like, I don't want to choose one or the other. I want both. The only people who seek both will get both. Yeah. Cool, Do man. Anything else? Let's ask uh, one more question okay. for any of the people out there who are getting ready to pivot. What are some of the skills that we've developed in our industry that will be useful elsewhere? I'm a freelance designer and I've been a freelance designer for a really long time. So this is also, this is like, this, this actually could lead into a whole other tangent, but we're not gonna, I'm not gonna let it do that. But the, but the other tangent that could be a great discussion for someone someday is why don't they teach more, in, in design school, why don't they teach more business? Like yeah. the business of design because you graduate from school, you're not, you're a designer and you're also a small business owner and you're, you're running your own business. You, you're basically figuring out how to do your own taxes. Even if you have an accountant, you still have to know what that means. I mean, you, the accountant's not going to collect all the receipts and figure out like, you know, all of that stuff for you. As, you know, as someone who's run my own business, my own, you know, as, as a freelancer for years, I'm, I, there, I think there are lots of other things that I could do. I could step into to something else as a small business owner. Um, yeah. Freelancing I, I, also requires lots of networking. That's, I mean, you, yeah. you're your own salesman. Right. You're your own, yeah. you're your own everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that is true. I, I, no, I don't guess that's true. That is absolutely true. I, I am my own publicist. 
I am my own um, contract writer. Well, I actually, I have, I, I do, I don't write my own contracts. Uh, okay, so good. I, I do have some, someone else does that for me. Good. Um, because I can't I do that. I don't read legal. Um, it's, <laughs> me neither. You know, I yeah, I no, I do. Have, there is someone who does contracts, especially for commercial projects. Yeah. Um, Collaboration. Sorry, ask me the question one more time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You can play all of it. Put, put all okay. this in. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who is looking, or anybody who is considering to pivot out of our industry, what sort of skills have we developed in our industry that would be useful outside of our industry? Yeah. So we're we're all business owners. As someone who's been doing this for a long time and many people who have been doing this for a long time, we've, we've been running our own small businesses. We've been our own publicist. We've been our own business director. We've been our own, you know, accountant in some, in some cases. So, it, you know, if you have to pivot and I, and you know, I don't know, I don't, I, I, I hope people, I hope too many people don't have to pivot. Um, I think, um, you know, we know, we know business. I mean, we know we're designers, but we also know business too. Um, if you're, you know, if you, if you've been around long enough, uh, you have to know a little bit about that. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I also hope that nobody has to pivot. I hope that we can uh, reserve those skills for what they were designed for. So. Yeah. Designed for designing. We yep. can reserve those skills to design. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. You, uh, you did exactly what I was hoping for. You did, uh, you definitely presented a ray of sunshine and a little bit of optimism. And uh, it's really refreshing to hear people that are in a good spot. You know, it's, uh, we're, uh, we're going to tough it out. Um, uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's nice to, uh, you know, these thoughts bounce around my head. Um, so it's nice to, to, to get them out. I mean, you know, I, I said earlier, like I host a, I host a show but uh, no one's asking me questions, you know, and I don't, I, I don't often give my opinion. So thanks.